What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Rome from Home. This is a Clubhouse edition of Rome from Home, where we use the Clubhouse app. We've been having fun gathering the community on the app lately. And today we're in conversation with Robin Thurston, CEO of Outside. We're also joined by Travis Rice, Sasha DeJulian, Rebecca Rush, Kelly Starrett, Chris Davenport, Pat Crawford from Inkwell, Eric Henderson from Meteorite PR, all asking questions of Robin in real time live. He took us through his whole history and experience in the outdoor industry, but also his his real deep experience outside of the industry that helped inform his path to be where he is today. We talk about the outside acquisition and the rebrand that's happening now, about how a, a company that's really based in a print subscription model is transitioning into an integrated digital subscription and his long-term goals uh, for outside and the vision. We also talked a little bit about his early days, even as a kid, and some of the things that helped influence his path and his career that really put him in the position that he's at outside at this time. So it was a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Uh, very thankful for Robin's time. He's a busy guy, and to get an hour of his time directly to connect with the community was fantastic. So thanks so much, Robin, and thanks to all the other folks who tuned in and the panel that participated. Enjoy this conversation with Robin Thurston, CEO of Outside. Some people might not have previously known your name in the outdoor space. Um, certainly you'd have to be like living under a rock right now to, to not see what's been going on and you've made a splash. Um, but you've had this super interesting career leading up to this time. Um, you know, you were early on, like in finance and then you founded Matt, my run, Matt, my fitness, and that was acquired by Under Armour. And then you worked at, or ran Helix, a consumer genetics company. Um, and now you found yourself, find yourself here. So maybe if you could run us through a little bit, your, you know, the steps of your career and how you found yourself here, um, that would be great. Give people a little bit of an idea of, of where you come from. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. Um, I was, uh, lucky to find cycling at a very young age. I, um, you know, sort of, I'd say grew up in the in the mix of the eighties, I started, you know, bike racing in 1981 or 82. I was, uh, you know, very young, um, was lucky to have, you know, events in Colorado, like the Red Zinger mini classic for, you know, juniors and, um, you know, was friends with Bobby Julek and, you know, Jonathan Vauders back in the early days and the, in the eighties and, you know, grew up racing here in Colorado or, you know, we're, we're back here finally in Colorado. So I get to that part of the journey of, of living a lot of different places. Um, I spent, uh, you know, before I went into finance, I spent a few years uh, racing in Europe um, in the early 1990s. Uh, I, I always sort of joke, I was a good cyclist. I wasn't a great cyclist, um, but, uh, you know, certainly had an amazing experience living in Switzerland, places like Neuchâtel and Lugano and, you know, uh, I, I sort of call it my, my, uh, I don't know, my college experience. I mean, it was, you know, the camaraderie of the teams and, you know, learning three languages while living in Switzerland and, you know, just really having that exposure traveling internationally. Um, and cycling has really, you know, been a, I just say a connector and sort of, you know, the, the linkage for me and so many of things, um, you know, the tie me into the outdoors and, you know, sort of the, the progression that I've had. So I, I, I came back from Europe in, in 94 and, um, you know, unfortunately I went through the back windshield of a team car at about 40 miles an hour. So I had, you know, 150 stitches in my face, um, in, uh, 90, late 93. And, um, you know, I, I, in some ways I feel like it was a little bit, uh, destiny and, and, and frankly, it's amazing how the forks on the road, you know, take you places. Um, so I, I, uh, I went back to school, um, you know, and was entry was good at math and so, you know, study finance and statistics and got lucky in that I, um, the first startup I was part of was a, was a, um, and it very much was a startup. I was employee number 35 of a company called Lipper in the mutual fund data space. And, um, we were acquired by Reuters in 1998 and I just, I, it was again, very fortunate, right sort of place right time 
not only did I have an exit from Lipper, which was substantial for me at that time, uh, but I kind of learned and understood what the, you know, the sort of, you know, what options and, and equity in a business can, can get you. And, you know, um, when I got over to Reuters, they immediately put me on a product to build a, a direct to consumer business and uh, on the subscription side of selling research. Um, and so I learned the, you know, subscription business early and um, had a lot of involvement from a product perspective. I, I left for a couple of years. I went to Kansas City, worked for American Century Investments. Um, then I went, you know, back to Reuters um, and Lipper in, in 2001 and, and helped them, you know, build not only a, a couple of web-based products, one in the financial advisor space, but helped on the Reuters.com team and really, you know, learn the ad business um, as well as the expanding subscription business that I had started back in 98. And so, you know, and, and, and they were, you know, Reuters very much was a media business um, in so many ways, a data and media business. So I, I learned a lot of, I guess I would say even the business models that, you know, we used at Matt My Fitness and, and certainly think about, you know, here today at outside um, in terms of scaling businesses and things like that. So I, I, I was I was destined to go to London for Reuters in 2005. And at the last minute, I, I pulled out of going to, to London uh, because I got a job for a Boston-based asset management firm called Wellington. So I went to Wellington to build them a risk management a platform, you know, from a product perspective, I'm not an engineer, but from a product perspective. And so I, I got out there and I went on a cycling trip in 2005 and we were in a small town called Andermatt in Switzerland with a, you know, I'd say half the group was Americans, half of them were Europeans. And um, somebody at dinner just said, oh, it'd be really cool if I could like know these roads that you know in Switzerland having lived here, um, you know, and I could come back on my own. And that's what kicked off the idea for Matt My Fitness, and so we we, we started uh, Matt My Ride was uh, Matt My Ride and Matt My Run were the first sites, um, and um, and then I met my co-founder Kevin Callahan um, at Matt My Fitness, um, and uh, you know we we kind of were off and running. I would say that was very much still a lifestyle business. I, had, I hadn't left Wellington when when I was sort of, you know I would say a little bit doing it at night and. Um, and then it was really the app store that changed everything. We, we built two of the first hundred iPhone apps with Matt My Run and Matt My Ride. And we got featured by Apple in November of, for those of you on the call, remember November, you know, really September 2008 was probably, you know, sort of the, the beginning of what people thought was going to be the end of the financial markets. Um, and, uh, you know, the app store had launched in July. And so, um, you know, it was just a, I don't know. It was, it was sort of an uncertain future. I would say at that very point, cause we were mostly selling advertising to like running stores and running events, and cycling events and, you know, things like that. And then, and then the apps launched, uh, it was a little bit of a trickle at first when the app store first launched, most people think it was like up and to the right from day one, but then AT&T stepped in with, I think a couple hundred million dollar ad campaign, um, globally nat well, sorry, nationally in the U S and, um, what our app, was one of the ones that got featured in, you know, every single, you know, uh, visual of the phone that was out there. And so we just exploded, Matt, my fitness just exploded up into the right in terms of downloads. And, um, you know, I don't want to say the rest was history, but, you know, we were, we were early and Matt, my run to this day is still the largest running community on the planet, um, with, you know, north of 65 million users, um, Under Armour bought the company and, 2013 i always like to tell the story how kevin plank called me out of the blue and when he called me um my first thought in my head was do i own a single piece of under armor gear because I, I i couldn't think of anything that i own um you know and so uh you know he was like oh you know what do you want to do with the company and i was like well i you try to build a big digital sports brand and company and we had this plan at Matt My. We had something like 750 domains. We had everything from Matt My horse, horseback riding to kayaking. We were going to go down every one of the verticals. And, um, you know, he was like, come join forces with me. And I was like, you know, it sounds super interesting. And 90 days later, we had a deal done with Under Armour. And it was, uh, you know, there was a sort of bigger digital strategy that we came up with to sort of, you know, bring other players into the mix, like MyFitnessPal and Endemondo in Europe and a number of other companies, as well as driving more commerce revenue. So we, I was also running the e-commerce business. Um, and so it was, you know, a lot of fun. Um, 
the reason it's so relevant to outside is that at the end, uh, I went to Kevin right before I left after being chief digital officer for three years. And I just said, you know, Hey, if you want to build a billion dollar subscription business, you got to get into content. And unfortunately at that time, Under Armour was starting to have some challenges on the core business side, lots of competitors, challenges on the margins. Um, and so Kevin was like, look, Robin, I'd, I'd love to invest more, but we just can't right now. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, go do something. I had a non-compete in the sports and fitness space. So I, I sort of took a leap uh, where uh, Pankas called me and said, you know, we have this really interesting consumer platform that we're building in the genetics space. And I think my first response to them was something like, I think I got a C in biology in high school. Like that was my experience with molecular biology, but you know, I was super intrigued by genetics and what, what, what the potential was in the wellness category specifically, even though we were also doing a lot of hardcore health stuff and, you know, cancer and, um, you know, Alzheimer's and a bunch of other categories that we were working with partners like Mayo Clinic and, and other people. Um, but that business, we realized pretty quickly that it was more of a um, B2B business than it was a B2C business. And so we rotated the business primarily selling large sequencing services to state of Nevada and, you know, Florida and um, Mayo Clinic and, you know, other places. And so I just, I was like, look, I, I didn't really come to build a B2B um, sequencing business. I came to, you know, watch something around the consumer side. So I, I bowed out and, uh, you know, um, I guess I was sort of say hatching my plan. My non-compete was done with Under Armour and I was hatching my plan to get back in. And so we started building a a, a content management platform that was really a personalized platform for the, you know, for the, for the content providers in the category, people like outside and, and others. And then I had an events business in Colorado that I was part of called Roll Massif um, that had nine cycling events. Um, well, actually five at the time. And um, then we were able to get a hold of the assets from competitor group uh, was merging with the uh, Ironman and uh, uh, Felix McGowan, who was the original founder of Inside Communications, called me and said, "Hey, you know, um, we got these we got these brands back from competitor, but I, I'm not sure what I know what to do with them, and I really need someone that knows digital." And I said, "Look, if if you allow me to take the majority share, I'll come and you know try to help you figure this out." And so I originally joined the board, and then um, once I sort of saw the pieces coming together of the the tech platform we were building, this personalized tech platform, and the events and and the original uh, endurance brands, things like uh, Triathlete Magazine and Bella News and Podium Runner and Women's Running, I thought, you know, this is just a huge opportunity to bring these together. And so I brought those together. We moved back from Palo Alto. We had gone, my wife and I had gone from Denver to Austin, where all of our kids were born, to Palo Alto for Helix. And then we made our way back here. And so, you know, we start pulling that together. And I, I, I guess I'd say at first I had somewhat modest expectations you know i thought we could you know build the business to north of eight figures um on the endurance side and um you know i wasn't i guess i wasn't thinking about as expansive yet as as a kind of you know i guess i'd say sort of happened very very quickly is uh then i got a call from um andy clerman um that owned uh, or was a ceo of a company called active interest media down the street here from us in boulder and I, I said, you know, Andy called me and said, "Oh, it, it's super interesting what you're doing." And I heard from Felix, and you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna um, divest the the private equity firm's gonna divest. The when was this, Robin? Sorry, so that was that that was um that was like in November of nineteen. So Andy and I started talking. This was pre-COVID. Um, isn't it funny that we all talk about things like that now, pre and Indeed. post-COVID? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had started talking and I was really interested in the brands and, and sort of thinking about it from a, you know, activity profile. Um, you know, one one thing in the data from my Matt Mai and my FitzPal days and stuff was that, you know, we knew that, you know, one is people were doing a huge amount of activities like Matt My Fitness was connected to, you know, 500 plus device manufacturers and we were collecting, you know, I mean, I don't know when I left, there was something like 14 terabytes of workout data globally. And, you know, so we knew people were doing, you know, three plus activities in a year and over, you know, the 10 plus years of building Bat My Fitness, we had realized that, um, you know, that people were also switching activities for a whole number of reasons, social reasons, um, event driven reasons, um, you know, 
relationship reasons. I mean, we just saw people doing all these different things and, and not necessarily sticking with, you know, say just yoga or just, you know, cycling or just running. And so when Andy called me, I just, it all clicked in my head. I was like, oh, okay. So we could immediately get into snow sports through ski magazine and, you know, uh, backpacking through backpacker and climbing through climbing, and you know, obviously with the content with Warren Miller and the fly fishing tour. And, you know, I just felt like it was such a, it was almost perfect. It was like, oh, you know, they had everything we didn't. So like we had the endurance brands, they didn't have any endurance and they just had these sort of active lifestyle brands. And so we, we, and then they also had the nutrition brands like clean eating and vegetarian times, which is also very complimentary to this audience just because they're, you know, thinking about food and performance around food and nutrition all the time. And so we, and, and yoga journal and, you know, all of this. And so we, we, we moved pretty quickly on that and our, our existing investors, you know, sort of stepped in and helped us move on that pretty quickly. And, and that was even, you know, post COVID we got that closed, you know, in June, um, and then there was a few other things that we had been having conversations around like big stone up in um, Carbondale, Colorado that had rocket ice and, and um, trail runner. And we, those were two categories, one that we wanted kind of, you know, I, I just say be, be big and climbing. It was an Olympic year, obviously, you know, pre last year and then this year. So we were really excited about climbing as a category. And so rocket ice and climbing together made a ton of sense just to have a bigger team. And then trail runner, you know, just like gravel and cycling, just huge opportunities around trail in general, um, around getting people away from cars, so to speak, and, and off the beat path. And so that was a compliment. And then, and then probably the first thing that we did in the non-content space, which people still saw as content, was finisher picks. And, you know, we can talk more about finisher picks. It's a super interesting platform and technology. But they, had, they just had some, some really unique things and how they were thinking about servicing events. But we also thought a lot about layering the, you know, if you if you go run an event and, and you want your event photography, we thought, oh, well, that'd be a really nice complement to the um, to the membership layer that we were building. Um, and so that was that was basically takes you up through. We, we bought another small publication in Paleo Magazine. That was a mm-hmm. the, no, nobody came over with that. That was just, you know, historical content. And we, we thought it was a nice fit with the with the with the um, nutrition brands. But, you know, we just generally thought we were done. I know that sounds funny, but we were kind of like, wow, we built this, right. you know, really big portfolio. We got great brands. Um, we were investing, building out the tech. Um, and so, you know, this was like, I'd say by like mid October, late October of last year, not to mention we had done, you know, seven acquisitions during COVID and, and or eight or, you know, and we were like, oh, I don't know if we can do anymore. Like this is just a right. lot without being able to meet people and interact with them and everything. So we, we kind of thought we were done, you know, when it, when it, by the end of November. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to stop you there because we're yeah. going to get to it um, yeah. and reset a little bit for people who are just joining us. We're in conversation with Robin Thurston and CEO of Outside. And we are talking about uh, his experience and what he, his vision around Outside and the, the story of how we, we got to today. And I want to go back a little bit, Robin, um, in because in some of our conversations, I've just been struck, you know, we're both here in Boulder on your real passion for, you know, you mentioned you're a cyclist, but for the outdoors. And I, I'm curious to hear you find yourself in the center of all of it, you know, was working in this space, you gave us a bit of the history. I, I didn't know, and I find it really interesting that the idea for Map My Run, of course, came out of a ride. And that you were in, you know, in the space, as I think many of the people who are listening here can relate to that. And you have a great quote that we'll talk about in a minute. But was there something, you know, earlier in your life, something in your childhood that really made this love and the, the passion that you have for, for all these sports? You know, did you picture yourself in this um, in one way or another of combining, you know, your passion with your profession? Because you started in finance which is not exactly the same as a lot of people here that, you know, so, you know, when you, when you look back, you know, beyond just the sort of the mechanics of your career, you know, cause I have been struck with that. Like you, you, you truly do want to be, you know, out there doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would, I mean, a couple of stories I'll tell. So the, the first one, and I think it relates to the, 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 the acquisition of outside and, you know, maybe why Larry, who was the founder, you know, I'd say in some ways I was, I was humbled um, that he would entrust me with the brand. 
Um, but I tell this story about, um, in, and I I'm actually have them looking for the magazine right now, going back to the late 70s, early 80s. But a story that I, I told Larry was that my dad was a huge outdoors person, um, you know, big, you know, camper, hiker, um, you know, we, I, I was actually, uh, I was born at Porter Hospital, but we lived in a place called Aspen Park, which was, you know, up in, uh, by Conifer um, and um, in Colorado. And so I was always in the outdoors, like we lived right by a stream, um, you know, we were hiking, climbing rocks, um, you know, all of this at a very, very young age. But my parents were separated when I was young, uh, when we moved out of that house, um, were, you know, they got divorced when I was two or three. And, um, my, uh, my dad, so I'd see my dad periodically, but sometimes I'd be with him in the summer. And one time he, um, I, I, he, he, he was working all day. I was, you know, alone a lot. Um, whether it was with my mom or my dad, because uh, one of us was maybe with either parent, but my dad comes home one day and he throws an outside magazine at me. And, uh, it on the cover was Arches national park. And, and, you know, he basically said like, Hey, in two weeks, this is where we're going. So, you know, study up. And, and I, you know, I was probably, you know, I'm guessing like eight, nine years old. And, you know, so I literally remember, um, like not only cutting out every picture in the magazine and like putting it up in a wall where in my room, but like I read every article end to end and, you know, and, and then we went there and, and, you know, I had really, you know, my, my sort of connection with the magazine was that it sort of prepared me for this amazing adventure that, you know, we were going to go have together. And, you know, so I, I would say that I was exposed very young, but I would say it was cycling, you know, like I was always outdoors. Like, it's not like right now, I mean, you know, many, many parents I'm sure struggle with, you know, how much screen time do you give your kids? And, you know, the adventures that you take them on and, and, and things like that. And, you know, at that time, you know, that's all we did was be outside. And so I, but I would say it was cycling that, you know, really allowed me to see, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I was in dozens of countries before I was 18 racing. I, you know, I, 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 you know, was riding all the time, you know, in very, you know, whether it was going to Moab or, you know, going to California or whatever at a very young age. And so I think all that just had a really big influence I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I saw a, I mean, obviously I, you know, I, I had a, 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 what I'd call a very modest career in, in cycling. Um, you know, so when I came back and I went into finance, I, I wouldn't say that I had this path in my mind of how I was going to build a career around the, you know, the, the outdoor or the cycling category or anything like that. And, and, you know, frankly, it was probably Matt, my fitness that gave me mm. the, you know, the sort of view that you could take everything that I had learned on the, you know, sort of business slash product, you know, slash development side of building products that, you know, sort of then allowed me to view the fact that, oh man, you really can build a, you know, a career, a business, a passion, you know, in the category. Um, so I, I do think my mindset converted a lot by 2005, 2006, um, because I, I mean, I was, and I would say I had a very, very good career in finance that was in some ways hard to leave because I, I was well paid and doing well and, you know, had, you know, equity and things like that in the, in the companies that I was part of. And so um, I guess it was Matt Mai and the success of Matt Mai in some ways that paved the path for me to believe that you could build, um, you know, kind of not just one career, but many careers in the category. Mm. Yeah, it's I think that so many faces I see here in the audience have you know, followed their, their passion to, to the outdoors and have built careers out of it. So it's, it's, uh, your lengthy experience in all the different companies, and, but it's good to know that at the heart of it, you know, was, uh, was you using outside as a pinup all over your, your bedroom. Um, and I think that's a good transition to, you know, I, I would love to, to get into, you know, you recently acquired the 40 year old brand of, of outside and everything that comes with that. Tell us how that went down. I mean, you mentioned Larry, you know, it's a, that's a big move and, you know, you're going from a brand rooted in, in print, as you just described to now this integrated approach in, in digital. Um, I'd love to hear about the, you know, the acquisition, but then also the vision of where you're going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
the, the Yates, I think, was a little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, so I, my mom lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She's been there for 20 plus years. Um, you know, I go down to see her, you know, once a year or something like that. And, you know, she comes here because my brother lives here and in, in the Boulder area. And um, so I was going down there uh, just before Thanksgiving in 19 and i reached out to larry because obviously i just gotten into the you know the, the about six months before into the role for you know pocket and and really was thinking about the whole category so i just was trying to learn so i reached out to larry and i just said hey you know i'm going to be down in santa fe um you know it'd be great to get together and you know have lunch and he was like yeah sure you know uh i you know he didn't know who i was he didn't he really didn't know that much even about that my fitness but he was like, if you're going to be down here, you know, love to have lunch. So we went over to the Hotel Santa Fe and we had lunch for what was supposed to be about 45 minutes and ended up being, you know, I think over, I mean, it was two plus hours at least. And, uh, you know, I just said at the end of it, I, I mean, I don't want to say jokingly I said it, but I, I was I was somewhat serious. I said, you know, Larry, if you ever think about selling the brand, um, you know, I, I think I would be a good steward for it. And, and I think that, you know, and I obviously had told him the story about my dad and, you know, all this stuff. And, um you know, he did, I, I would say maybe at the time he shrugged me off a little bit because, you know, Pocket was, you know, for endurance brands and a book business, but it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't big in comparison to outside. And so I think he, you know, he probably was like, oh, you know, interesting, great, you know, um, thanks, thanks for coming down. And, you know, I'd say every quarter we, we sort of touch base on, like, I'd send him an article or, you know, he'd send me something or whatever. And, then, you know, essentially what happened is that, um, you know, outside TV got an offer and uh, there was an opportunity. And I think Larry very much wanted the two to be together. Most people, I'm not sure if you're aware, but outside TV and outside magazine and interactive were, you know, essentially um, two different companies um, that really didn't share a lot of uh, DNA other than the brand. I mean, uh, you know, they had a similar DNA in terms of wanting to get people into the outdoors and inspiring them and things like that. But they they didn't really have a lot of overlap. They weren't doing a ton together. Um, I'm learning more and more. There were some things on the sales side and some things like that, but in general, they were, they were fairly separate companies, but Larry really, you know, and I give him credit, he had vision for bringing them together. And so, you know, he called me and he said, look, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it 78 years old. It might be, you know, time that I could move on. And I was like, Oh, you know, so you're potentially interested in selling outside magazine. He said, no, I think there's an opportunity to both, you know, buy outside TV and outside magazine together if, if you're interested. And so I just kind of kicked into high gear. I, I absolutely believe um, that it's the best brand in the category. It has so much opportunity that, you know, it has not, you know, sort of happened yet, even though it's had a, a storied, storied 45 year history. Um, you know, and I think Larry saw the opportunity for investment, maybe that the company hasn't had in, in you know, years or in a long time to expand into new areas. And so, you know, we kicked it into high gear, um, we, we, you know, found an amazing new investor in Sequoia, um, you know, and we were kind of off to the races in the midst of that, we were looking at a couple of other companies. We were looking at, um, you know, I had struck up a, a friendship and, you know, sort of a collaboration with, with, uh, Andrew at Gaia GPS. And, and I really having obviously been in the mapping space, I thought for our membership that mapping was going to be critical to that. Um, we were specifically looking at event registration platforms because we had finisher picks and we were looking at like, what could we do in the event services space and how could we add more benefits to our membership base? Um, and then I, I knew Brad Rowe from Peloton magazine for a long time. And so we were already talking to him. And so somehow serendipitously, you know, sort of all five acquisitions as well as the funding, as well as the brand change, you know, sort of came together all at the same time. And, you know, I would say that the vision, if you, if you, if you take out what I call the utilities, the, you know, the experience layer piece, the, just on the content, I would argue that the, the best thing for the industry from, from a, from a um, sort of a customer perspective is, um, you know, it's it has historically been incredibly fragmented and, and that makes it hard for users to decide to, you know, engage or pay for certain things, or they have a lot of different subscriptions. Um, and, and everybody's, I'm sure, you know, who's, you know, here on uh, Clubhouse with us is very aware of the, what's happened from a cable perspective in the unbundling. But now what you're almost seeing is the opposite. You're seeing, you know, they're calling it the rundle or they're calling it rebundling or, you know, other things. And I, and I didn't, 
you know, I just thought there was a huge opportunity to, to look at this category of the active lifestyle and, you know, create a, uh, a sort of an Uber, um, like, uh, you know, membership model, um, and bring all these things together to really, you know, again, think about the life cycle of the customer, not only in the number of activities they're doing in a year, but also think about it, you know, what they're doing, you know, over the course of a lifetime. And so I, I would say that I think our goal and, and, you know, still 90% of our audience, if we're wildly successful and 10% of people sign up for a membership, um, I think it'll, you know, create a great experience for the consumer, but the other 90% will still be free, you know, users on the platform. So we'll still be ad supported for those 90% of users. And, you know, we'll create a sort of a, a, a unified membership layer that we're in the process of, you know, sort of build some sites already have it live, like Velo News and, you know, Women's Running and Podium and Backpacker all have it live, but we will soon launch it on outside online. And, you know, with outside TV and all of that will be bundled into, you know, essentially unified membership where you get sort of all you can eat for 99 bucks a year. That's amazing. Um, you, I think you, the quote I love Robin that is out there, you know, I believe that a run, a climb, a hike or a day skiing or shredding can change not only your day, but change the world. Um, and Maybe speak to that. I'm going to start to bring some other folks who are some of the founding members and other friends up onto the stage for the Q&A. But maybe talk about the long term goals of, of that, you know, of, of, of that idea um, as it relates to now. I mean, you have 30. Is it it's 35 different brands, right? Uh, I should know the exact number, but yes, something like that. Situation. Somebody told me that. Somebody, sorry, somebody sorry, told me 35. 35 maybe, maybe, I'm going to yeah, yeah. go with 35. Go with I'm that. Go with yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, that's a, you know, the, the, the powerhouse really. Um, but maybe talk about how that, that sense of, you know, how you can change the world with these, with these stories. Um, and I'm going to continue to bring some people up and then we'll get into some questions from, um, a great panel. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, it, it really, I mean, one thing I'd say, certainly, you know, for sure, is that we're not like a typical media company, you know, I, you know, I'm going to say a Hearst or a Meredith, like, uh, you know, and, and, and many of the social platforms are, in my mind, extremely focused on page views and impressions and likes and you know, all of this stuff. And, and, you know, I, I would just say that that's not really my goal. I mean, you know, certainly we have to build a business that I, and I believe under a membership model will be a lot more sustainable than solely relying on advertising. Um, but my goal is really that I just want more people to be active. Like I, I just, you know, if I, if I 10 years from now wake up and we feel like, you know, we and, and measure this through, you know, things like connecting devices and, you know, really understanding our audience better in terms of the, the amount of activity they're doing, or I get you to sign up for one more event a year. And maybe historically you only signed up for one. And now I can show that you signed up for two. And I do that across millions of people. Like I just, our view is that it is going to make the world a better place. Like I believe when people are out active, no matter what they're doing, or if they're, you know, it doesn't matter if they're doing a, a, a you know, yoga session in their house or you're at a studio or you're, you know, at a, you know, orange, you know, theory class or whatever. Like if, if I believe when we get more people to do these things that it is, they are better as individuals and, you know, they're, whether it's mentally, physically, you know, all of these things. And I, and I do think that it creates a, a better, you know, world that we live in. And so uh, that's ultimately my goal. It's not about, you know, how many impressions I got or, you know, I don't, I don't like, again, I want to build a sustainable business and I, and I want to, um, you know, we made a fairly public announcement around going to net 30 on our freelance relationships. And, you know, I want to continue to find new ways to monetize and help them, you know, make more money uh, on our platform. But, and all of that stuff is, it, it's really important to building something great. Like I want to build a company that, you know, people are proud to partner with and, and want to partner with and say, and, and have a good experience with, um, no matter what part of it they're, they're sort of in. But ultimately I think we all want everybody. I, my view is the out, the outdoor and the active lifestyle, you know, fitness categories, all that, like, 
I believe we all want people just to be more active. And, and I think everything else is a residual benefit of that. In other words, that you could build a great business, that you could have membership, that you could get page views and all that. And the other reason, you know, one other thing I just say quickly, CJ, is like I'm really interested in audio because I believe that if mm. we create or like if you're able to listen to our magazine in a podcast format, you can still ride your bike, you know, and do that or run or you know, go for a hike and listen to the magazine or listen to, you know, uh, the podcast or listen to, you know, a video that we've done. And so I'm really interested in audio because I do think it's a way for people to engage in the activities they love while, you know, whether it's consuming content or or other parts of the services. Um, But it's also why I love Gaia. Like, I think Gaia to me is like, what better way to get someone to read an article about great trail, you know, trails and then go out and do it and then understand whether or not they did and give them the tools to go do it. So like, it's not just about content. Um, it's ultimately about getting people to do these activities. I love that. I mean, that's a, at Rome, we talk about inspiring, educating and activating and really helping, you know, moving people from inspiration to actually the doing. And uh, I think what, what you're creating there. You know, if you like to bike, hike, surf, climb, you know, you're you're really trying to create. I, the way I understand it is an ecosystem that helps people do better at those things and get into them um, in in a deeper way. Uh, I brought up a whole bunch of of awesome people. Um, you might recognize some of them, and uh, I know that we had some questions. Um, and if you're you're ready for that, Robin, I'll I'll let people just jump in. Um, I'll just reset real quick. We're here in conversation with Robin Thurston, CEO of Outside, if you're just joining us, talking about his acquisition of Outside and the putting all of these storied brands together from Ski and Warren Miller to Outside and what that looks like in the future. And for our community of creators and filmmakers, photographers, athletes, this is really a, 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 big, a big deal for us. So I, I think to hear directly from you, Robin, is, is great. And uh, I'll open it up here to the panel. We've got um, Sasha DeJulian is here, Travis Rice, Chase Jarvis, Rebecca, Patrick Crawford, Eric Hendy, and then uh, Kelly Starrett, Keena Pickett, all I think who have uh, have long careers in this uh, in this space and uh, who might have some interesting questions. So I'll just I'm not going to call and anyone anyone can jump in. I know maybe Sasha, you said you you had a, a question. Hey, yeah, first of all, um, Robin and CJ, really grateful for this room and hearing more about your background and the ecosystem you're cultivating in the outdoor space. Um, And on the note of inspiring more people to get outside and be more active, I think that that ambition creates such a healthier population and in turn also healthier climate. Um, And listening while doing activities, I'm actually in the middle of a bouldering session um here in boulder so (laughs) i love that um my question that i'd love to hear more about from your perspective is um just given the pandemic and the exodus of people from cities into rural communities and mountain towns um if you've seen a spike in outdoor related media consumption um thanks sasha and and great to connect um you know, the, the answer is yes. I mean, there's definitely been, you know, a spike in a variety of, you know, areas. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, even if I think about my, my, my own personal experience about having a little bit more flexibility, you know, my schedule and, you know, things like that. And I, I, I don't think that's uncommon. And I actually don't think it's going away. I mean, you know, I certainly could talk about some of the things we're thinking about from a, you know, company perspective on, on, still remaining flexible no matter what the sort of outcome you know when COVID ends but we've certainly seen a spike um, I don't think those trends are gonna you know end anytime soon we're seeing you know yes we're waning on you know obviously some events are starting to take place which we're excited about but um, we're you know we're waiting on sort of full return even to events at scale um, but we're seeing registrations off the charts and I think that demand as well as like what I would call sort of a global, um, you know, sort of push and awareness around wellness in general that I think COVID is going to, you know, sort of drive here that, you know, I, I think as a category, like if I was sort of saying this to everybody on this call in the industry, I think we're on the precipice of a 10 to 20 year, you know, sort of, you know, bull or tailwind cycle in the, you know, active lifestyle, you know, which includes outdoor, which includes at home. 
um, you know, all of these categories from a, you know, sort of fitness and wellness perspective. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say my, I, I don't want to make it sound like my, my vision was specifically tied to this happening. I certainly wish there wasn't a pandemic, but I do think this new awareness around wellness is going to be absolutely huge for our industry. And that quote of yours, Robin, about, you know, and I think everyone can attest to, to that feeling. Um, I've certainly had it during this whole, whole pandemic time that, you know, the outdoors as optimism, the outdoors as, as a way to, to really, you know, be well in the midst of, of a time that, you know, has been challenging for everybody. Um, I think it's a great question, Sasha. Thanks. Um, I've got Travis Rice here, who is on his third, uh, event of the inaugural natural selection um he and the ceo carter you know they they've been uh somehow in the midst of the pandemic travis pulled off uh the most significant snowboard event in history and it's been amazing to watch um maybe travis or carter do you guys have a, a question for robin about outside and, and what they're doing yeah this is carter hey everyone um hey robin um, hey, Carl. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I've been kind of ducking in and ducking out um, on the road here. We're trying to wrap up stop stop three here pretty soon. Hopefully, everyone checked out the Jackson Hall event. But yeah, just curious in terms of the intersection, maybe between events and the media side. I think what we see, you know, we feel like what we're building here is, you know, a tent pole that could be much something much much bigger. Um, and these the event that we ran at Jackson, I think, in the future is almost more like a, a catalyst to build off of more of both on the media side, even ancillary programming, um, you know, during that week in Jackson. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about, um, yeah, the intersection between events and media. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big opportunity to one of the, just to sort of dive into the event side and, you know, sort of some of the challenges that I've seen. I mean, I, I do think there's going to be, you know, uh, I, one is I think there's going to be more demand for events than there's probably ever has been. You know, I think um, events that, you know, do, I guess I'd say, broadcast their message more widely, like something that we really think is a is an opportunity with outside TV. And, you know, how today we do event photography and, and, and video for about a thousand events with the finisher pick system. Um, and then, you know, registration for about a thousand events with, you know, athlete reg. Um, and there's not a lot of overlap there today. But I, you know, those those specific things around like registration and photography, you know, those I think will expand to more events, and I think more events will start to, you know, almost create like these, you know, um, I guess I'd say sort of like moments where, you know, the the the, the film and, you know, uh, video footage from it are, you know, inspirational to get people to do more events. Um, but then it's like, where do you distribute that? Like one of the big problems, at least in, in now working with, um, you know, running and cycling and, you know, all different kinds of events since, you know, 2005 and having personally participated in, in cycling events really my whole life is that a lot of them are challenged with like getting sponsorship dollars and the distribution and where they show up. And, you know, so one of the opportunities we think is, is you know, obviously the production costs come down of of doing, you know, whether it's live video or, um, you know, uh, video on demand post event. Um, we just think there's a big opportunity to have a lot more exposure for, you know, even what I call the long tail of events at different sizes and in different categories. And so, you know, we just want to work with, you know, as many events as we can to kind of bring that sort of vision so that we can get that, you know, content in front of, um, you know, more people so that, again, we inspire people to go do more of those events. And, and as I said, Carter, one of the ways that we're going to try to like basically measure our success is looking at, can I get, you know, even a person who might be doing uh, a half marathon to do uh, another half marathon in a year, or if they're doing, uh, you know, uh, NASTAR is also part of our portfolio. Can we get people to participate in NASTAR more? Or, you know, do we, can we get someone from skiing into a running event? So, I just think there's a tremendous opportunity around events. And, you know, I think we're going to go through, you know, obviously events last year went through a really hard time and, you know, congratulate you guys for getting that event done during that period. But it's it, it just, I just think there's going to be so much demand and we want to, we being in the platform, we are want to try to get that content in front of as many people to inspire them to go do more events um, in the future. And, and that's everything from extreme 
you know, all the way down into, you know, um, sort of every level of event and every level of participant. Yeah, Robin. Hey, Travis here. Thanks for that answer. Hey, and, uh, yeah, appreciate it, Carter. Um, yeah, just a, a quick follow up on that. Um, yeah, and congratulations with this whole thing. I think, like you said, uh, it, it seems to me like a lot of untapped uh, potential with outside. And I, for one, am hoping that with this, um, you know, added momentum that outside can, um, you know, bring an added level of support to the adventure space, adventure sports space, as it does seem like uh, the adventure sports space is still very splintered, um, relatively speaking, when it comes to media, when it comes to events. And, you know, for me, historically, my interface with outside has been through, you know, occasionally delving into, say, a feature story or, you know, some, you know, type of specific thing that spoke to me, but there wasn't necessarily something that was always keeping me back, uh, keeping me connected, right, to whether it was the, the network, the magazine itself. And I'm kind of curious on how, you know, the subscription model um, might be, um, you know, better in improving the ability to connect more frequently. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the, the first thing I'd say, um, Travis, is that, you know, the what I call the, the sort of the age of hyper-personalization, you know, the experience that, you know, you have on outside today, or, you know, if you and I went to, um, you know, um, I'm using example, we haven't migrated, you know, climbing, you know, over yet ski has, or, or has already been migrated over to the new platform. But historically, if you and I went to outside online, um, we see exactly the same thing on the front page. It doesn't matter if you're in snowboarding and I'm a big, rock climber, cyclist, we see exactly the same thing. We, it's, it's on us. Like we have the friction as a, you know, uh, a hyper, you know, sort of consumer sort of, you know, wanting to be in the category and sort of wanting to gobble up all of the things and knowledge we can to be inspired, but we still have to dig in there to get it. And so I think in this, in, in what we're building in this world of hyper personalization is how do I, you know, get, um, you know, things to the person that they want across a platform like ours. So, you know, Netflix is great at this. They, they learn about what movies uh, you're, you know, you've been watching and they, they put other, you know, types of content and then they maybe suggest things, you know, to you that maybe you didn't even think you might be interested in. And, you know, I think that's essentially where we think this sort of change comes in and, and, and almost more, um, you know, frequency in terms of connectivity um, in, in terms of putting that stuff in front of them that's really relevant. So, you know, now today, if you like, if, if, and, and everyone's welcome to try this, if you go create a free account, you get the personalization as part of the base layer before you're even a, a paid member. Um, but essentially in that world, you select, I'm into road cycling, I'm into skiing or snowboarding, I'm into, you know, hiking. And then now I see across our entire platform, no matter which property you're on, you know, you starting with that. And I think that's going to create a situation that's just the content layer. So we're going to add, you know, right now, you know, outside TV is completely separate. We'll add all the, so the mediums are important too. So like we're going to cross and personalize and create all of the mediums for you to get in every one of those categories. So if you need, if you want a podcast, if you want, you know, video, you'll get that in that personalization layer, but maybe even more importantly than that are the things that we're connecting in that are, you know, really, I'd say less content based, but more, you know, services or utilities. So like, can I put, like, if you're in the midst of reading about hiking, um, you know, like how to prepare to go for a hike or, you know, how to prepare going skiing, and then I can put in front of you, here are, you know, three, you know, great routes or trailheads for you to go to, or here's a great place for backcountry skiing because you just got into that or snowshoeing. And I put that map in front of you and then you download and use Gaia. Now I've engaged with you in a new way. Or on athlete ridge i put the right event in front of you at the right moment that you're thinking about doing an event and you're like oh, oh that's a great idea i'm going to go do an event this weekend um, because there's just a lot of friction and all that and so this hyper personalization again for us in our view we go back to that once we have this sort of fully you know sort of curated and done and you know it's never really done products never really done but once we have this experience at each individual level of the platform we think people will come to us a lot more frequently than say twice a week or three times a week to just read a feature article or something like that. And so it's really like people ask me, like, you know, there's a lot of 
rollups going on, whether it's like in the registration space or it's in the content space or in a bunch of different verticals, as as everybody's aware. But I really saw this vision of, and we started a little bit of Under Armour, like you know, we weren't just putting together, you know, uh, mapping. We we put food, you know, on top of it, tracking sleep. You know, we we added e-commerce into it. But I sort of saw that in this whole category is still being a big white space and creating something unique for users. And so I think as we do that, people will be back and leveraging, you know, our platform, uh, you know, more than thinking about it, the content, they'll be, they'll be on the sites a lot more. I appreciate that. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Trav. We've got a few more folks joined here. Um, I know Pat Crawford had a, had a question, Pat, I'll up here go ahead and and then uh got a few more people on the panel here we've got about nine minutes robin how are you for time do you have a hard stop at, at four no i'm good i got okay. a couple of excellent all right hi robin um thanks for thanks for taking the time for us um i guess my question would be when you look back over you know the last really two two decades of media and print and then moving into digital and now you know i'm working with cj running essentially an athlete creator platform one of the long one of the trends kind of through lines of that is that athletes and brands have found ways to talk directly to consumers to the public more whether it's athletes creating a short little edit and distributing it on their own social channels or brands doing some of the same kind of thing and i'm curious as you look forward into the future with that trend probably continuing at some level, what is the role of a media company in sort of that mixture of, of you know, athletes and brands creating their own relationship directly with consumers and then media sort of in that mix? Yeah, so um, that's one of the reasons, I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why we didn't, you know, as an example, we didn't call the company, you know, outside media or outside network or, you know, um, and the reason for that is that I think these lines are blurring in many respects that, you know, they, they're, you know, you, the way I think about outside in the next, you know, five to 10 years is like it, to this morning, we did a call with, you know, our freelance community. And, and I was talking about, you know, what, what new opportunities might be available to them to even, you know, increase uh, versus, you know, say, you know, having and writing for us on a regular basis, but how could they earn additional potential, um, you know, revenue and, and think about that, their, you know, sort of path with us. And, you know, so I would say that I think that um, we will become a platform where brands and, you know, uh, I'm not crazy. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that reference like influencers specifically, but I would almost just say like creators in general, um, we want to make the, the, the platform more accessible for them to, you know, not only gain access to the 70 million, 70 to 80 million uniques we have every month. Um, and we do this like a good example of this, um, uh, Pat, is um, uh, what we're doing um, with uh, one of the outside uh, TV products, um, you know, that basically um, allows, you know, sort of user uh, you know, community generated content. And then we select from that, I uh, call it campfire. And, you know, I think that that's one example, but I think there's going to be a lot of examples around that. And I think we want to be a place where, you know, frankly, um, you know, I, I would argue that we eventually we would be in some ways competitive with an Instagram or a YouTube or others. Um, we have to have the right technology. We have to have the right place to do that, and we have to convey that to the to the, to the users and, and help them understand how that you know intermingles um, with all the things that we're doing right now. But I, I definitely think that that is the future vision of where we're headed, and, and certainly want to have a much broader set of you know brands and um, you know content creators, et cetera, that feel like they can come to us and 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 really you know uh, increase their you know share of voice and. Um, you know, get out to the audience that we have today, but also I think it's as a way for us to grow as we create something that's totally unique um, in the category and frankly, something that I don't believe, um, you know, Facebook or Instagram or any of the others will um, ever be able to curate as highly for this audience as I think outside can in the future. Mm, that is, that's really interesting. Do you think 
there is a path for you to curate all that kind of content like the Facebook and Instagram, like you're saying, but be a better digital citizen and more respectful of consumer privacy and some of these other trends that we're seeing pop up um, in, in the industry right now? I absolutely believe that. I think it'll take us a while. I don't think we're going to be there by the end of the year, but I absolutely believe there's a path for that in this category um, to do something unique. And I, I, again, I think we're well positioned to be able to do that in the future. Great, thanks. Uh-huh. Anybody else on the panel want to jump in? Got some. I, uh, CJ, go I got one. I, I yeah, got Andy. Here. Hey, Robin, Hendy here from Meteorite hey. PR, just in Boulder, Colorado. How are you? Taking the time. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so I'm a little bit on the disruptive side with your editorial staff. I'm one of the troublemakers that uh, brokers fun um, and gets your edit team in the new gear um, and experiencing some of the new products um, in the snow, on the trail, or perhaps on the rock. And so some acquiring minds want to know uh, what your new powder clause is going to be moving forward. And uh, can we continue to uh, corrupt the content team with uh, deep snow and long alpine routes? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, like we got we have a lot of work to do um, in this area. And I, I mean, I, I voiced this this morning when we did a, a freelance um, call. You know, my hope is, and, I, and, and there's another saying which I maybe uh, CJ will will come back to that I like to use is, is first of all, you know, um, a, a good friend of mine, you know, the founder of Under Armour used to use a quote that is, um, you know, trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. And, you know, I think that um, we have a lot, you know, as a new entity or, you know, whatever you want to call it outside 2.0, I've heard people refer to it, all these things, you know, we have a lot of trust her and it's not going to happen overnight um you know but i also would just say like we don't want to change what i'd say is working well with any partners um we want to just make it better and do more you know so i my hope is that as we build start to build trust um with you know existing partners new partners you know all the you know the people in the ecosystem that you know we want to help you know thrive here um, that we, you know, sort of take a, uh, you know, measure approach, look at what is working, what might not be working and, you know, try to fix things that maybe, uh, were not optimal. Um, you know, uh, as is the example with, you know, what was happening in some cases with freelancer payments. Um, so, um, I would just say like gear is a, is a huge focus. Um, we want to do a lot more. We think there's a lot of opportunities, you know, um, in the network to, to be able to do, you know, more there. But I, I just generally would say to anybody on the call who's in partnership with us today, it's not our, it's not our intent to, to break anything that's working. It's like, we just want to make uh, things that maybe weren't work better and, and things that are working work even better than that. And so my hope is that we can earn the trust of, of everybody on this call over time to be able to do that and, and, and create something special uh, going forward. Awesome. I think, Thank you. Handy, were you were you asking specifically though about, you know, like the six inch rule? Like do your employees get to go skiing, Robin? If it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. like I think Sorry. I think it, that's Sorry, it. maybe I, mean, I misunderstood the question. No, you went deeper, you went a lot no. deeper into spreading love for everybody. But I think Candy's question is essentially like, do your guys and gals get to cut out? when there's yes. six inches of snow or more. <laughs> yes, yes, the answer is yes. I mean, you know, first Excellent. of all, the first the first thing we did was um, we uh, we instituted, um, you know, essentially unlimited vacation for people, which I think is really important in this day and age when everybody's basically working 24 seven, um, you know, and so that means that, you know, they have the flexibility to cut out to go skiing or, you know, we have, we're, we're adding, we're starting back lunch rides and runs and, you know, all of those things. And, and certainly I think you'll see more and more of out of Boulder, um, you know, specifically or Santa Fe or other places where we engage with our partners there. So I, I guess the short answer is yes. And I have no intention myself of stopping bike rides in the middle of the day or going skiing uh, on a Friday or, you know, on a Wednesday for that matter at noon. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I hardly can say 
don't allow the staff to do something that I'm going to do myself. And so, um, you know, you will, you will certainly see me playing hooky. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks. I like the original answer as well as the follow-up. <laughs> I, I, Sorry. I look, to, I look forward to working with you. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks, Eric. Uh, awesome. Well, we're at four o'clock, um, and but Robin, you said you had a little bit more time. So if, if that's all right, I don't know if anyone else on the panel, uh, Rebecca, maybe, uh, or Dav, Terry, want to jump in? Yeah, I'll jump in. Thank you. And Robin, thanks for being here. You actually just answered one of my questions. I, I love your mission that you're wanting to get people outside and believe that it personally elevates us as individuals, but also as a world. And so my one question was going to be with such a massive job, are you getting outside? And you just answered that. So that makes me really happy. Um, so I'll go to my next question, which Travis said it really well, is that the outdoor industry is, has been really splintered and you're creating this massive hub, which is amazing. How do you take something so big that includes climbing, riding, all these different core things? How do you, how do you take something, make it so big, but also keep it intimate and humanized and connected in a very human way? How, how do you do that? Like, I have no idea. Well, um, well, the first thing I'll tell you, Rebecca, is I, I've already ridden 2,000 miles this year. So even in the midst of doing five deals at once, I, I think I've only missed uh, four days of riding this year. So I, yes, I'm, definitely get, I I'm definitely getting after it. Um, uh, you know, but um, so first, I do think this this world of hyper-personalization, I, I would actually argue that the, the way that many of these brands were set up, um, you know, specifically on the content side, Rebecca, historically, was actually um, very unpersonal. It was like I said, this example of you land on, you know, Bell News, and you know, you basically get you and I read the same thing, or you go to, you know, wh whatever publication, Ski Magazine, whatever, and, and we all see, we all saw the same thing. So I think there's the core part of just creating a, a much more personalized experience for the consumer that really makes them feel, you know, that that they are um, touching and really getting what they need when they want it more frequently. But on the, on the content creation side, you know, I, I said this to, um, you know, Chris, our editor in chief of, of outside. And, you know, it's like, it is not, I mean, we've only invested, like we've only added more staff to the editorial teams. I think we brought in some amazing people We're you know, I'd say over indexing on making these investments to, you know, really, um, you know, create the most authentic storytelling, um, you know, out there from our own staff, we're investing in the freelance community. So hopefully they feel like this is a great place to, you know, highlight their work and the authenticity that, you know, that they're creating in these categories. And then we have to deliver it at a hyper-focused level to the consumer so that they, they're, they're, they're really, um, you know, we're getting this, the, the, this really amazing storytelling and content creation in front of the right people at the right time. And I think if we do that, in some ways, it'll even feel more personal and more authentic than maybe the way that it felt before, Rebecca. I, I mean, I love that. And I also love, thank you, because I, I feel like the human aspect is really important. I also really appreciate that instead of saying influencers or, you know, putting athletes as influencers, um, but putting us as creators, because yeah, that's what's happening are. now. And you so are. I really yeah, appreciate I mean, that recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks I actually, I don't, love, I don't love, I don't love, I don't love the word. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. I, I, I will tell you, I, I do not love this word influencer. Like I really think there are amazing content creators and, and, and vision, visionary storytellers, and they come from everywhere. Like Thank every, ca I mean, I got, I got, I got a category that like, I think is overused and it's not an accurate descriptor. So thank you yeah. for, yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I that. mean, the word influencer is, is, you know, call it what it is. It's it. It really sort of conjures the the people who have audiences based on either gaming the the platforms or um, you know overtly just having a nice six pack or whatever. And what what we've got here up on the panel and what we have in the in the outdoor space is you know, people have dedicated their life to that passion and the craft of their particular skill. And that's why they have an audience is they have an audience because they're really world-class at something and because they care about it so passionately. So I, yeah, they, I'm with you on the, the, 
you know, we should just stop saying the word influencer because I think it, it, uh, it's a blanket that is, doesn't really apply to all of us in the outdoor space. I agree. Got a few more minutes for us, Robin, Robin. or you need to, I, I can take, why don't we take one more question that I got to jump. I got to, I got to get some people waiting on me, but I, I'm going to take one more question. All right, well, we've got uh, see Dab down there. Dab yeah, what's up? I'll jump in. Hey, Ron. Chris Davenport here. Uh, you'll appreciate this. I just got off the hill in Aspen. I'm driving past Pam Alexander's house in the West End, thinking of you, and uh, congratulations on all this news. It's really wonderful. Uh, as a longtime host of Outside Television, Dispatch All right, show, that was awesome. Uh, Thanks, Robin, for joining us. That was a conversation with the Rome community and Robin Thurston, CEO of Outside, about his vision, his history, how he got to where he is, and what he plans on doing. It was awesome to hear from Travis Rice and his crew over at Natural Selection, Rebecca Rush, Sasha DeJulian, Pat Crawford from Inkwell, Chris Davenport jumped on. We had a whole group of people from the Rome community who were interested in talking directly to Robin. And I hope that you found it valuable. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Rome From Home.